Hello, and welcome to the DMV Business Show, a weekly show where we get to meet local business and community leaders in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. They get to impact their story and how they got there. You can expect to hear advice and learn about their journey and how they went from point A to point B. My name is Odo Sevilla, and I'm a commercial real estate advisor in the local DC, Maryland, and Northern Virginia area. I have been very fortunate to have worked with many amazing entrepreneurs and executives, from startup founders to international Fortune 500 companies. And one of the things I love about what I do is I get to form these great relationships with some interesting people. I get to know them and I learn about how it all started. And I love hearing a good business story. When I'm not working in commercial real estate, I just also happen to be the host of this show. So please enjoy and welcome to the DMV Business Show. Hello everyone and welcome to the DMV Business Show. I'm your host, Odo Sevilla. And today we have a special guest, Kelly Ennis, founder and managing principal of the Ver Partnership. Welcome, Kelly. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Of course. If you can actually explain to the audience, just general terms, what is the Ver Partnership before we go into your story? The Verve Partnership is an integrated interior architecture firm. We focus on how space, culture, and brand impact the built environment from the inside out. Okay. So it's mostly just interior, nothing as far as exterior with architecture there. So um, we do a lot of concept development um, from the outside in, um, oh. but that's more high-level concept, uh, concept work as it aligns with brand. We are not architects from the outside in. Um, we like to focus on the inside where the people are. We spend 87% of our time indoors, and so do so does our firm. Sure. Now, as far as your focus, is it is it hospitality? Is it multifamily office? Mm -hmm. So we're uh, we are 100% commercial. Our sweet spot is in uh, workspace strategy and design. That is about 90% of our work. Uh, over the course of the last two and a half years, we've uh, expanded our, ver our verticals into multifamily, both market rate and affordable, in addition to a little bit of senior housing. Okay, great. So I assume for multifamily, you're designing, of course, the common areas. Mm -hmm. um, yep. For office, same thing common, or are you also working on with individual tenants and companies as far as designing their office space, their interior space? So we actually do both, but the majority of our work is tenant-focused work, organizational. Um, we, we really hone in on the organizational development and the strategies with our clients, the, the real estate strategy, the organization strategy, the marketing strategy, and, and how that really all um, feeds um, a, a really great design and, and supports the business um, of the organizations that we work with. Um, we also apply that kind of same, same process and um, um, kind of that, that line of thinking within our other verticals as well. Okay, great. Um, so now that we have a general idea as far as what you do, if we can go back from the very, very beginning as far as where you grew up, where were you born? Are you from around the Maryland area? Uh, so I grew up in, um, in what, what once was um, in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Um, it is now um, quite a uh, really amazing uh, growth story of, um, I grew up just south of Allentown, Pennsylvania. Oh. Uh, and Allentown is actually doing some pretty, really amazing things right now. Um, they're just uh, top 10 you know, growth cities, they've gone, their population has risen, they're kind of like a sleeper little bedroom community to serve the New York City area, North Jersey. Um, so just a really cool, cool story about how um, Allentown has changed over the course of the last um, 30 years. So it's pretty, pretty sweet. That's interesting. I would say probably, I think we out of maybe 40% of the interviews we have live here at the show, about 40% mm -hmm. are people from Pennsylvania that are now oh, yeah? living, yeah, living in DC, Northern Virginia, and, and uh, Maryland. Uh, wow, huh. that, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I have to go back and kind of take a take a listen again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's a great place to grow up. Um, it was fine, but it, like I said at the time, it was very rural. Um, and so I moved to Baltimore to um, to come to college uh, back in the back in the mid '80s. So. Um, I, I, I've known what I've wanted to do since I've been eight years old. I'm one of the lucky ones. I lucky, I guess. Um, that is lucky. I got my, yeah, <laughs> I got my first set of Lincoln logs when I was eight years old. And I say that I've never looked back since then. I was, I was set Lincoln logs, set the tone and 
Um, from that point on, eight years old, I knew I wanted to be in design and architecture and I did everything I could to get there. I had a fantastic um, and very influential art teacher in high school who helped get me um, to MICA here in, in Baltimore City. So I went to MICA for in, in my degrees in interior architecture. Um, and um, yeah, so that, that's the short, the short beginning. <laughs> At, at eight, you know, a lot of people have different interests, you know, people playing with dolls or planes and like you said, even Lego sets, you name it. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious why at eight, you obviously that interests you, but what made you sort of stick with it or you knew that? Was there any other influence besides you liking that at such a young you know, age? Yeah, I, you know, I, I guess a lot of that was because of my dad. Um, I grew up in a house that he renovated for our entire existence there. Um, you know, he showed me how to use graph paper, um, you know, when I was, you know, eight years old or whatever. And um, I, I've always been able to um, read a plan um, okay. very intuitively and picture it in the third dimension very quickly. Oh, wow. um, and I just loved it. I, it it's really just, um, you know, throughout the course of my career, which is now about 25 years in, um, it's it's, um, you know, I could be, I, I could be in real estate, I could be within an organization, like I have so many amazing opportunities. But I just really, really love design and really, really providing that service to help other people build community with from the inside out. So I, I like working with, um, working with and learning about other organizations. So I, I love what we do on the side of the service provider standpoint. It's really, it's really fantastic. And I, I, I say, you know, my dad was a big influencer, um, but even to this day, he's, he's since passed, but I still don't think he really understands what, what we do. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't think he ever really quite understood that you could make a job out of it. You know, he understands what architects, technical architects build buildings, but what are you doing on the inside? So, um, but so he, know, he, 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 he wasn't into the design. He just did that on, uh, you know, on his time off as a oh. hobby, as far as work in the house. And then you saw Yeah. That. He loved okay. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was a cre I mean, he was a creative, but he, he, you know, he was in outside sales and you know, whatever yeah. you're supposed to do when you're, when you're in, you know, it's the seventies and the eighties raising a family and stuff. So, um, but yeah, he, so he understood, but I don't think he understood that you could like actually build a company from the inside out, really focusing on the interior. So. So it, you started with graph paper and you're drawing and sketching. And then you said in high school, that you, did you say there was a teacher there that sort of pivotal yeah. and helped you? Yep. Yep. Okay. She, I had, um, yeah. So I, um, I was one of the art kids um, in high school and, um, you know, she, in getting, getting into art and design school is not an easy feat um, at all, especially at, at that point in time, we didn't really have, technically have computers really guiding us yet. It was really a, more about craft and, and design, uh, design strategies. Um, and she was, you know, exponential in helping me build a portfolio, um, helping uh, the process to get into college to design school is really very portfolio generated. You have to have a, a, an actual interview. Um, at that time, again, it was the 80s. So it was a face-to-face -face interview. Um, and uh, really just kind of honing in on, you know, design skills, both fine art and design. Um, most art schools have a, what is called a foundation year. So you kind of, you take all your basic drawing, communication, uh, communication classes, sculpture, um, you know, uh, life drawing. So it's, it's really just a foundational year before you head into your major and um, yeah, she was, she was just really exponential in getting that portfolio set, identifying what colleges had, the, um, the path that um, I wanted to go into. And, um, you know, here at, at MICA, Maryland Institute College of Art, um, it was just, it, it was just a really good fit. It was a, it was a city, you know, it, I grew up near Philly. So Philly wasn't far enough away for me, quite frankly. Um, and neither was New York because Allentown's pretty close to New York as well. Um, and, you know, coming here for, for an interview was, was really just fantastic. A small, you know, small design school, maybe 2000 people at the time. And, um, you know, and then Baltimore just really stuck. I, I really, I really kind of dig Baltimore. Did, did you know back then going into Micah as far as what you wanted to focus on? Uh, at that point in time, it, it was more about, um, uh, more general. Okay. Um, and, and design, uh, you know, the, the, 
interior design and interior architecture uh, education has changed drastically over the last 25 years. So um, they didn't actually have a focus per se, but I knew based on what I saw in, you know, like an interior design magazine, architectural record, um, um, and those kinds of magazines, I knew what I wanted to do and where I wanted to focus. Um, so really they just, they give you the tools, right? In school to figure out sure. how to take that next step. And it's really about being um, resilient and um, really, um, you know, finding finding the firms and finding the organizations that where, where you can do your best work. So I got, I, I say I took the six year route um, because I wound up graduating um, a little bit after than like, I quite frankly should have, but there was a, a recession in the early nineties. And um, so it, it took a little while to actually get through kind of the, the degreed aspect of what, um, what I had going on. But, um, you know, I, I wound up moving around a lot um, and, you know, just got really lucky um, in moving to Los Angeles in the mid nineties. Um, uh, well, or, after Mike, I kind of moved to Key West and hung out and was a waitress in Key West for about um, three okay. and a half years. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I had a working vacation there and I would just waited out the recession of the early nineties. Um, yeah, it was, it's three years long. Um, and so, so then I, I came back. Yeah. And, 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 and Micah, your bachelor, you majored in what, just arts or what, what was? My degree, I have a bachelor of fine arts and in interior architecture. Okay. Okay. So then you're done with that. We're in a recession and it's hard to find employment. So you decide, let me go to Key West and you head down there for about three I years. Do. For three years. Okay. But you're, you're always thinking, I want to go back. I obviously want to be, mm -hmm. be in the field of what I majored in. And, yep. and then from Key West, you go to LA, to Los Angeles. Yep. Yep. Uh, was yep. that moved? LA. You, you had something there already lined up? Or no, I, 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 I followed a boy. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and he's now my husband. So it all worked out. Oh, that's good. Okay. House. Yeah. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it worked out well. Um, and I, you know, I wound up uh, being really fortunate in Los Angeles. It was busy. The I'm economy sorry. Was did, did, I'm curious. Did you meet him in Key West? No, actually I met him in Baltimore. Um, oh, but okay. he, he, I met him in Baltimore before Key West. It's really this lovely weird kind of story um but I, I knew him before Key West but we started dating after Key West okay, and, okay. and moved to LA and um yeah so I got really lucky and then started um I worked at um Smith Group um for a little bit while I was out there and um ended my LA tenure um, having worked at Age OK for about six years while I was out there before I before I moved back east so okay. I had a really great baseline um, from an economy standpoint, from a design standpoint, clearly working at, at both Smith Group and HOK. Um, you know, some of my greatest mentors and friends and colleagues are still people that I met when, when I was at HOK. So they, they, the, or that organization holds a very special place in my heart. <laughs> what type of works and projects were you working there in LA? Um, so it, that's a fun question, really, um, because it's LA. Right? Yes, you, yes, so, that's why I was asking. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got really, really lucky. Um, you know, I, I got to work on a couple of MTV projects, which was really cool. Oh. Went to the MTV Awards. And so that, you know, that was really cool. Um, at the time, they had just bought Comedy Central. So worked on restocking um, Comedy Central, you know, at their infancy. Like we're talking, you know, late, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, we have a couple of original SpongeBob um, uh, animation cells um, from the animation department, which is kind of cool. So um, lots of entertainment kind of spaces. Um, I also got to travel a lot um, for a lot of banking institutions while I was uh, at HOK. So that was really cool. Um, and, Traveling within um, the country or international? Don't just within the country. Okay. Um, with, okay. A, with a lot of banking institutions, um, you know, traveled um, for, for IBM as well. And just really got to see a lot of really great cities across the, across this country. Um, and it was just, it was fantastic. And I learned so much. It was so valuable. Why'd you leave LA? Um, so we got married. Um, okay. We wanted to have a kid and the house that we were living at was uh, living in was a million dollars and smaller than the office that I'm sitting in now. So uh, yeah. it was a, it was a math equation. That's LA. And um, yeah, that's LA. Uh, so we moved, uh, my husband is originally from Baltimore, born and raised, as a lot of people here are. So um, yep, we had just had a child in Los Angeles and um, we just decided that the commute and the cost of living there, we just 
it wasn't going to cut it. So we moved back east. Did you still have family also around Allentown, Pennsylvania area? Um, or no? Yeah, no, no, okay. not family. No, everybody's okay. since moved on, but um, we now have an office there. Um, we actually uh, no. I, I meant when, when when you met when you moved from LA back to Baltimore. Did you also have family around Pennsylvania? Oh still? yeah. Okay, so yes, that was still closer to home then. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. My parents actually still lived in the area. Um, uh, again, longer story, but yeah, my parents still lived in the area when we okay. moved back to when we moved back east. Yeah. Okay. All right. So. That's good. So you yeah. moved to Baltimore, and and then you 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 have something already here, or? Yep. Yep. So I moved back to Baltimore. So I, again, I'm very fortunate. I've had some really amazing, amazing opportunities and some amazing jobs. So um, having worked at uh, HOK, I, I moved back to Baltimore um, and uh, worked, worked at Gensler um, here in Baltimore for a little bit. So that's really, um, really, um, I'm quite proud of, of working for both those organizations. Um, and then um, had a, then worked for a firm in Philadelphia. I was hired to um, start their interiors group here in the Baltimore area. And that was really right around the recession of 2008-9, pick a year, um, okay. 7-8-9. Sure. So I was with them for three years. It was a firm in Philadelphia, but I worked out of the Baltimore office. I started the Baltimore interiors group. Um, but as soon as the recession started hitting, um, they, they moved my job up to Philadelphia, um, which was fine because I like Philly. Um, but I started commuting a lot. Um, so I was commuting three days a week from, you know, Baltimore Penn station to 30th street station in, in, in Philly. And it just, it just got, and then, you know, baby number two, and then it, it just got to be a little bit too much. And were, were you um, coming back the same night or were you staying there overnight yeah. in Philly? No, I was going back and forth. Oh, wow. Um, that must've been hard. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, this recession got worse and, um, I just decided, you know, if, if. So I, I say what suspiciously looks like a midlife crisis, the year I turned 40, um, was this, this moment of, you know what, I, I think I can do this better. I think I can do this my way. I've had some really great, you know, you take all the great things that you learn and you get rid of all the bad things that are just like, ah, like kind of just noise, right? And you just get rid of it and you just kind of put all that good stuff together. And I was like, you know what, I've got a lot of really good stuff. I think I can do this on my own. So um, what, I, what I never recommend to anybody is, is doing what I do, did, is I basically up and quit my job one day and started the company. Um, so I say I started with negative cash flow. <laughs> so when you, start, when you start with negative cash flow, you can only, you know, you can only grow positively. And, um, and that was well, 10 years, 10, 11 years ago. 11 years ago, okay. 11 years ago in the September, but it is September. So we're coming up on 11 years. Kelly, when yep. you made that decision, how long were you going back and forth to the Philly office? It was about three years. Oh, oh wow. back okay. and forth. No, no, no. It was about the back and forth piece. It was about yes. a year. Yeah. Okay. That's, about, that's still a good uh, amount of time. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was a good amount of time. So, um, you know, I had some really fantastic projects um, it, up, in, up in the Philly area. So that was, that was nice. Um, but it, it just got to be a little grueling. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I would rather be doing this for myself at this point than somebody else, right? And if I think I can do it better or take all of these really good things and, you know, mash it up into something like cool and fun that I really love doing. And it wasn't that I didn't love the projects and design and, and everything that, that I was working on. It was just, I think I can do this better. Sure. So. Do, do you think, you know, when you went with a company that was based out of Philly and they, they hired you to open their Baltimore location, that experience you were with that company, you said, for, what, three years overall? Mm -hmm. But yep. that, is, that experience of basically establishing a brand new office from zero, do you think that mm -hmm. helped you establish and think, hey, eventually, I can probably do this on my own. I'm doing it right now just for some other firm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It was okay. absolutely 100% influential. I say, you know, right, wrong, indifferent, good, bad, ugly. I, I really learned a lot from that experience on somebody else's dime. Yeah. I mean, that's really what that was. I mean, it was everything from starting up, starting up a, a department to doing business development to, um, you know, running financials. Um, we actually expanded our office, um, here in the, in the Baltimore office. I was responsible for that hiring. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it was a lot crammed into a very little, little time. How, 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 how big did you grow that Baltimore office before they got sort of consolidated again? Well, yeah. So that was the, the timing was really bad. I think it was about oh, okay. four people. Okay. So zero to four people in, you know, 18 months, but it was sure. zero to four people 
um, in zero revenue to $1.2 million in revenue in 18 months. So I knew if I could do that for somebody else, you know, I could probably do it for myself. So how was it then 11 years ago, year one, you hanging your shingles and now it's your shop, it's your firm. Yeah. So it's the coolest thing ever. It really, it's the coolest thing. Um, it's just fantastic. I say, I used to do a lot of, um, um, asking for forgiveness, um, while, while previously employed. Um, I don't need to do that anymore. And I encourage our team to ask for forgiveness all the time, because I think you really should always do what's right. Right. So if you feel what you are, the decisions that you are making on behalf of your clients and your projects, if you feel those are right, you should do them. And I will support you. Not five principals up the food chain have to approve this, whatever is no. And, and we're small for that reason. We're small for that reason purposely. Like it, it's, um, you know, like I said, zero, zero to negative cash flow sitting in my basement with my husband um, with two small children running around, you know, in 2009. It's like I, t- I think about this and I'm like, oh my God, that was crazy, crazy, crazy. Like who, who quits their job with toddlers and, um, you know, just randomly starts a, a, an organization in the middle of a recession. So that would be me. And um, so we, we um, hung out in my basement for five years. We grew it to six people, um, learned a lot about the kind of the financial piece of, of that, you know, how much, how much you need to run a business. Um, so we, we actually practiced what we preached from a real estate standpoint. Like we didn't need the real estate. We only had five people. We could function remotely. We've been remote we've been remote ever since this oh, from wow. the very beginning. Okay. So, so this transition means it, it's not like it, this was not a big issue for us sure. because we've to always, we were, yeah, we're totally used yeah. to it. Um, so we grew when we got to six people, we got our first office space. Um, and you know, we've been as large as 14 and as small in, in that kind of growth time frame, um, as small as like eight, nine. So we're about eight, nine people right now. And it's a really good, with between eight to 12 people, I can still touch everything. And that's really important to me that, um, you know, I can touch our clients, I can touch our people, you know, stay connected and and build those relationships. I think that's the most important thing that any one of us can actually um, ask for. And that is the number one, um, you know, kind of business, um, you know, advice that I could give to anybody is just, you know, build the right relationships and be true to your word and you will be successful. And I'm, I'm sure that helped out when you first established your own company, as far as those existing relationship, you just reached out to them and then their mm-hmm. relationship continued now with your firm. Yeah. Is yeah. That, that was a lot okay. of coffee. Yeah. That was a lot of coffee and a lot of wine. Um, that was that first year is just meeting with people and really un- trying to understand where the holes were in the marketplace. Um, like I said, I had, I had already had a, you know, a a good chunk of time while employed elsewhere, but you never really can really pinpoint where you might, you know, fit in or what services that you can offer to differentiate yourself. So it was really, it was a lot of, it's not a joke. It's a lot of coffee and a lot of wine. Was there a particular project Kelly that comes to mind, you running your company that sort of was a game changer for you as far as a trajectory and then just going up? Yeah. Yeah. So we've actually had a couple of, of game changers. Um, and I think you, I think from a growth perspective, it's their pivot points in your organization, right? So um, our very first project um, was for Volunteers of America. Um, we um, earned that project on the basis of a, non, a, a nonprofit organization called the 1%. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, it in and of itself is a, is a nonprofit that we on the you know interior interior design architecture real estate marketing brand we we agree to give back one percent of our time over the course of of 2080 hours so 20.8 hours so we donated our time to um to volunteers of america to help them with their chesapeake headquarters um down in lanham and that was kind of our our jumping off point like i said zero cash flow um, it was really just a marketing, a marketing effort. How can we build a body of work that is meaningful and build relationships at the same time? And, and Volunteers of America really fit, 
fit that they had a need and um, I was able to um, fill it, um, you know, as a sole proprietor at that point. Um, and then um, that was, that was successful. Kind of had a little small projects here and there. Um, but then our biggest, our biggest, and I would, you know, say our second or third project was a 150,000 square foot restack for um, Penn Mutual headquarters up in, uh, again, it was a relationship from Pennsylvania, um, uh, in Horsham, Pennsylvania, and it was a six-year project, a, wow. a, a renovate in place, um, 150,000 square feet, 750 people, um, really envisioning how their changing brand and demographic um, was impacting their workplace. They had just um, uh, um, elevated one of the, um, a woman. There is the first woman CEO, the only woman CEO um, in the organization, and um, she was in a meeting with her facilities person, and and um, she was um, talking to the facilities person and saying, "Look, we say we're you know we are this organization, and we care about people, and we care about families, and we care about detail. We're a life insurance company. We are there for people at their greatest, at their most dire moments in their lives." And she said, "And I'm looking at my furniture and my carpet and my wall covering and." the wall coverings fraying and the furniture doesn't match. My carpet is dirty. He, she said, we need to renovate this entire building and through relationships. And we, we, his name's Bob. He was awesome. Um, I knew him from past life and he called and it was like, okay, perfect timing, Kelly. We think we've, we think we've got a project for you. I said, okay. So um, what started off as a kind of a very slow, Hey, let's take a look at, uh, we, we call it um, just kind of uh, you know, um, some just upgrades, you know, sure. let's change some paint, maybe some carpet turned into an organizational uh, brand and space restack that lasted six years. So a lot, and they, they swung in, they swung in place as well. So it, it was a very, very large feat for a very small company. And, um, you know, we, we nailed it off the bat. So that was huge for such a small and young organization so that was really really quite amazing and um the project we saw the project all the way through to the end until bob retired and um, we're still friends to this day but that the, was four years ago yeah that project kelly started with just something small from what you're telling me yep. right and then it just yep. led to continue okay. okay yeah wow. yeah so um yeah so it was pretty cool um so it gave us a lot of um it gave us the ability to hire more people to go out and earn more work um, and, um, you know, and again, kind of going back on the power of relationships, um, from that, from that point, um, we then started working with the Allegis group on a lot of their corporate real estate, not the, um, uh, we weren't doing the tech systems and the aerotechs. We were actually, we were working on the headquarter, um, the headquarter buildings, um, okay. in Hanover. Um, again, a relationship, uh, a guy that I knew kind of from the real estate, commercial real estate world, um, became their, um, their director of real estate. So uh, we worked with them for about three or four years. So again, another long-term um, relationship turned into long-term projects. Um, and then from there, uh, we worked on a couple Under Armour projects. So it's this really lovely kind of, as I'm think, talking about it, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, I'm not quite sure I actually put them all together. Um, and then in 2000, 2012, um, a, a huge game changer for us, uh, and we still we still uh, work in this market. I, I, I absolutely believe we are experts uh, in the innovation space and co-working space, but we did the first true co-working space here in Baltimore before anybody knew what co-working really was. So that was Betamore um, at 1111 Light Street, which then turned into Betamore at City Garage a couple years later. So again, these total pivotal types of projects that I don't think were really on anybody's radar um, from like, you know, co-working, what's co-working in 2012, you know, not, nobody here was really doing true co-working and, and that was a, um, a privately funded, um, the first one was privately funded and, and they knew what they were doing. Um, they knew how, they knew what the ideas were. They were very solid on their business plan, their marketing plan, their brand plan, their community plan. And we designed the space to align with all of that. So I look at that as, as both a design um, a design project as well as a strategy project. So again, that was kind of pivotal um, in our trajectory. Um, and then, which then also led to um, Harkins Builders, um, which was just really, quite frankly, a, a huge game changer for us, given who they are. 
um, in the region um, and um, what we, we did a full blown strategy with them too, all the way organizational development, all the way through space, space strategy. They had a great team. They had a great vision. You know, it, it's, it's what we do as a team sport. Right. So um, that was really a pivotal, pivotal project for us. Where the majority of these projects seems like a lot of them were relationship based or at least started that way. Is that the case mm -hmm. or okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I frequently say, um, you know, 99.9% .9 of our projects are, you know, relationships, referrals and repeat business, but I, I'm really, it's 100%. Basically, we have gotten to where we are because of the relationships that we all in, in that have been able to build over time and because we do good work and um, because we um, show up when we say we're going to show up and, you know, we, we roll up our sleeves and, and we get the job done and, um, you know, those, those, that's where those referrals come from. So well, what would you suggest for people who obviously to build a relationship to establish it takes time um, mm -hmm. for any business. And if someone wants to build their business based on relationships, like you did, for example, mm -hmm. what are some pointers that they can do or, or just at least think about when going out to the marketplace and doing so? Just, um, yeah, I, I think um, it, I'm going to use an overused word simply because I can't find another one right this second. Um, be authentic about what you say and what you do. And if you can't do something, you know, it, admit it or bring on the right people like to complement your skill set. So you can do it, what you can meet the needs of, of the client. But for um, all of all of our projects, it's we need to establish that relationship first. And then let's figure out what the project is. Okay. Um, I could show up and, and like it could be oil and water, right? Um, so it, it's, and it's really, you know, really under trying to understand, you know, seek, I'm a big uh, seven habits person, seek first to understand, right? Yes. So I, I think of, uh, we've not known Visit Baltimore as an organization or as, as, a, as a group of people very long but um, cherish the relationships that we have with their CEO, COO, and their CFO, um, along with their entire project team. Like we just got to know them um, over time, but it came with a call. It all started with a call. Uh, that was a referral. And it was, you know, just build those, those conversations and those nuggets over time because it, you have to earn people's trust. I mean, what we do, I mean, you know this, uh, what we do, um, it can be, it is not inexpensive. You know, building out a space is not inexpensive. Buying furniture is not inexpensive. Leasing real estate is not inexpensive. So we take that, that level of trust very, very seriously yeah. um, because we're helping them make decisions that are going to impact them for a very long time. You mentioned earlier the, the project in Pennsylvania. Are most of the projects that you work on are based in Maryland or Maryland, DC, Virginia, or are they nationwide or how does that look? So um, oddly enough, the majority of them are, are more, they're regional, but ba between Baltimore and Allentown. They're not, okay. they're not really like Columbia, um, Columbia, Maryland yes. is, I mean, that's Baltimore to me. Um, and you know, uh, visit, or, um, Volunteers of America, that's in Atlanta. We, you know, we'll, we start at the top of the Capitol Beltway, okay. 495, and, 495 and north. Okay. Um, but we are actually working on a project right now in Buffalo, New York, oh. um, another innovation center. So, you know, it, it will go where, where, people, where people need us and where we can, you know, help. Um, I guess, was that a referral to Buffalo? It was, it, it, yes, it, it came from the innovation, the innovation uh, work that we oh, do. That's awesome. um, yeah, it is. And, and Buffalo is a really, really cool town. I love it there. And it was never cold when I, when I was visiting. It's still under, it's an innovation center for the uh, University of Buffalo and they're still under, it's still under construction. So I get at least two more trips out of it. Okay. So. Do you have an office in Pennsylvania? You mentioned earlier about another office. Or, yep. Or, okay. Yep. Yep. We actually um, opened up more of a business development office in Allentown um, about a year or two ago. We we're kind of flying under the radar just to kind of see what the market was doing and checking out. Uh, we have a small little office space in a, in a co-working facility up there. And um, so, um, you know, this first quarter, January, February of this year, um, it was, it was, it was going to be our best year ever. And um, we, um, and we, we, 
um, went ahead and, and we announced, formally announced our um, opening of our Allentown office February 20th of okay. 2020. And, you know, three weeks later, we all went home. So um, timing is everything, right? Yeah. Um, but uh -oh. it's okay. It's all, it's, it's all good. Are, are they still there working remotely or what's going on with Allentown? Well, so it was, it was more, uh, it was more about business development. So oh, I was okay. spending a lot more of my time up there from a business development. I hired a marketing uh, person actually um, who is working uh, in marketing uh, up in the area. Um, do like actually investing in the area area more so than what we were investing. Um, and really just the whole COVID thing just kind of, kind of put us at a little bit of a standstill, but, you know, um, have a couple of really great networking events I've done virtually, okay. um, with, um, crew, the chamber of commerce, yeah. um, a couple of, of different, um, smaller, more curated groups. So we'll get there. Okay. How, speaking of COVID, how, how has that affected your business? Um, so it's tanked it, um, to be honest with you, <laughs> sure. we live in the world of, um, commercial, um, commercial interiors, right. And yes. here I am sitting in my office and the only one here. Um, but you know, you got to figure out where those pivots are. You know, thankfully we diversified our markets, um, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. So we've, um, we still have a couple of corporate projects, you know, the corporate projects that we have, I mean, here's the, here's the thing. And again, you know, this as well as I do, it takes about nine months to a year to actually build out a space, yes. right? I, I would like to think in nine months to a year from now, um, there will be some sort of therapeutic or vaccine or some sort of something that has addressed, um, the public health issue that we're going through right now. Um, so the corporate clients that we, we are currently, are relocating um, their, their offices, that's kind of their mindset as well. So we've got, but the, the big commercial projects that we had first quarter, they all came to a standstill um, and have been put on hold. But, you know, we're small, we're nimble, we're eight people. I don't have, you know, 2,000 mouths to feed. Um, and we, we were really lucky. We got some really awesome grants, um, one of which I, I'm most proud is was an educational grant. Um, so... Um, I, we were able to train and educate our team and it was near, it was $50,000 um, to train our team. So our team is going to be crazy Revit savvy. Uh, and Aaron and Aaron and I are taking the uh, MCR.W uh, um, credentialing class uh, with Cornet. Cornet. Um, yes. We're going to, two people are going to be well, well certified. So, you know, it's, it's $50,000 of free money to train your team. That's a pretty cool thing. That is. So, is that yeah, a local so, thing? Is that is that local? It was for the state of no, it was for the state of Maryland. It was okay. it was part of the layoff of it's called the layoff aversion fund. Okay. Um, and part of the fund, you you only have like you know pick ten things, um, you know that you that you want to allocate these monies to, and I chose educating our team. So okay. and we got yeah, so it, it, that was pretty cool. Um, so, so yeah, you, so we're good you, for the moment. You mentioned everything was at a positive standstill, and and I felt it the same way being in commercial real estate. Uh, what yeah. I have noticed is maybe the past two months, definitely volume has picked up tremendously. I mean, tours to lease getting executed and, and deals getting done. Now, That's I would great. say Good. office is the lagger. There, it's, yep. it, it is lagging. It, it's mostly a lot of more industrial deals getting done. Um, yeah. But there are some people that put a pause and have the conversation with me has started to pick back up again as far as yeah. touring and taking a, look, taking a look at spaces and sites. Is it still, are you still feeling the pause from your corporate clients or? It's, you know what, it's, it's just different. Um, okay. And I think it's going to stay different. Um, like we like to, we like, we live in that world of strategy. Um, so we are having a lot of strategic um, conversations with those clients whose stuff got put on hold. Okay. So um, one of them paused till January. So it's, it's actually a couple of oh. things. So one of them paused till January. One of them ditched completely. Um, the other one is still, it was more of like this uh, building consolidation restack, but it, it was 100 and, 160,000 square feet. I don't think they need 160,000 square feet anymore. They may have before, but now we're trying to work with our clients um, to really talk to them about what is the next generation of work. Because I think you have to define that, that generation of work before you can actually start defining the square footage requirements of what that work can support. Yes. So that's kind of the world we're living in at the moment. Um, 
And we, um, because of our strategy background, we, we already have a lot of um, web and online tools, surveys and things. So we've actually just added a layer of um, COVID surveys um, to really work with our clients to understand what are their real, not only just their real estate needs and how that they, how they work, but what are your people's requirements? Like, you know, do you have to work from home three days a week because you have two kids who are in school and they're not going back until January, right? Or mm -hmm. maybe, you know, so it's really kind of taking that holistic um, vantage point of how do you work? Where do you work? Why do you work? And then what kind of square footage do you need for that? So, um, so yeah, so we're working with um, two of the five uh, hung on for the long, the long haul. But um, like I said, we're small, we're nimble and, um, and we're responding. So. How was that conversation as far as the next, like you mentioned, I think, I think you, you said next strategy of workplace now due to yeah. COVID, what, what do you foresee? And I know it's sort of, we're maybe in the beginning and middle of this. How do you foresee the next workplace changing? Like, can you, how was that conversation you're having with your corporate clients? Well, I think it's different for every client and it's different for every market sector. There is no one size fits all and there is no one solution that fits all. I think it's very specific to the culture of each organization that we're, we're talking to. So, um, and it's going to vary um, based off of the demographic. I, I think if, you know, you have a, a, um, a, a staff or a team of people who are, you know, between 25 and 45, they're going to be a lot more, um, willing to be to be flexible in in how they work or the requirements of those work where you know you it's now there's five generations in the workplace and you know you still you still have lawyers who who want private offices right who yes. you know, your, your 65 70 year old lawyers who still come in every day um they still want their you know three four hundred square foot office so i i think i don't think the i don't think i don't think everybody's going back into an office uh, people are like, oh my God, everybody's going back into the app. That's not that. That would be far too expensive, and we're not going back. We're not going back in time. This is not a time travel experiment. It's 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 a wake up call to address some things um, that I think people missed along the way. Um, so I, I don't. I'm not of the opinion that we should have ever been in benches and cramming people in corrals just to get more efficient in our real estate because look at what happened to your health with having that many people right so now you're gonna have like a bunch of you know germaphobes kind of running around and like you know six feet but um yeah i i think it's it's an individualized organizational decision um and i don't think square footages are going to change they're going to drop a little bit but i don't think that's going to be this massive swing to you know 50 percent less people mm -hmm. so what you hear in the media is not always right. No. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I think it's like everybody, yeah, every, you know, everybody just needs to calm down and just take a breath and um, take a step back and figure out what you really need. Not this go, 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 go. It's, you know, I, you know, there's always that oh, time kills all deals. Well, you know, maybe those deals meant to be killed. Right. Like, let's make the deals, the right deals for the right reason for the right organization um, every time, every single time and just take a step back and do it right. Let's just do it right the first time. I agree. I, I, at least hopefully there's a deal to be done. And even if there isn't, there will be one one day. Um, right. You've made a friend. Yes. Right? Like, You've like made you a mentioned, friend. In, in our business, is all, it's a lot relationship based. So if this yeah. time doesn't work out, there, there will be a next time if you do everything right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier, as far as it's been a positive thing that your company is nimble, but not everyone that does what you do is in the same position. What have you heard as mm -hmm. far as other counterparts that have a much larger company? How are they dealing with things? So um, they, I, I think it's, so I was uh, chatting with a friend of mine who works in New York for um, a larger, a larger firm and a lot of their corporate commercial interiors, people jumped over into healthcare. They were kind of dispersed through other markets. Okay. So S&T, right? S&T, um, healthcare, uh, hospitality, um, uh, multifamily, they kind of like took their corporate group and dispersed them very okay. quickly into other markets or they got laid off. Um, a lot of the, the survey data from like May 
was most firms and, you know, we're right there with them, um, you know, 50%, like 50% of your revenue just stopped. Um, but we're, but 50% of our revenue is not near 50% of a larger firm's revenue. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, layoffs, pay cuts, furloughs, um, it's, it's the same. I'm just, I'm thankful to not be, I'm thankful to not own a very large firm for that reason. We've not laid anybody off. We're still moving. Um, and literally even like as of today, I was, I said, um, said to our operations person, I'm like, we could even be in a position to hire in the next month and a half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. It's good to say that. Considering You were also mentioning that from the very beginning, you were always very remote. Um, is that still the case? How has it affected, you know, your organization is everyone right now. I know you mentioned you're the only one in the office currently. Is everyone mm-hmm. is currently remote? Do you foresee that long-term continuing this way or maybe a hybrid you personally with your company? So for us, it's definitely going to be a mishmash because we have, um, um, each, each person is different. Um, we do have one um, designer who has two small children that she's got to negotiate. Um, how are they going to teach their children um, at least till the end of um, 2020? Mm-hmm. Um, so but um, my operations person, she's, she's, uh, I told her she's losing her desk. Um, she does not need her. She does not need to be sitting. I mean, she usually sits right here next to me. Um, but we have not missed a beat at all. Like we literally, um, we closed a week before everybody else. Okay. Um, and um, we were able to mobilize very quickly, set up um, a lot of protocols of how we were going to deal with ourselves culturally. Um, I think it's waning. It's waning on me. I like people. I like to be around people. I like to have, like, I like to know that Abby's sitting there and Carly's sitting here. That's just my, me being selfish. I will be in the office. Um, I, I mean, I, I come in every now and then. Um, but I'm going to leave it up to our team, to be honest with you, uh, because we can actually function, um, which is going to really change the shape of our space and how we either sublease it, recon, like reconfigure it, um, turn it into a social experiment um, from a kind of a um, a workplace standpoint. Um, the jury's still out on what we're actually going to do, but um, again, we can be nimble. Okay. And we and it's a really awesome little space. We're not downtown, um, so we're not paying the these exorbitant, you know, class A, B, or C. Uh, to be honest with you, class A, B, or C um, rent structures. It's just we're just kind of in a cool little warehouse um, in the Woodbury neighborhood of of Baltimore, and our rent is really reasonable. Oh, so you're like in flex space? No, um, it is. It's it's literally it's an old warehouse, and there's a lot of warehouses in in and around. Like there's one right there, there's one right there, there's one right there, and there's like three over there that have all been converted into office or okay. office retail. Uh, it's just kind of like this very mixed use kind of um, quirky little neighborhood in Baltimore. I mean, it's just quirky, yeah. and it's the the building. There's like a creative services firm who um, leases space there. Behind me is an ATIV um, and data security company, and then a brewery is at the end of the at the end of the run. Oh, it's a good mixture so. of tenants. Yeah yeah, 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 it's cool. What What would you say, Kelly? That motivates you or drives you? Um, With the business, like yeah, it, the relationships, meeting people, okay. forming long term bonds. Yeah, it, it's like brainstorming. Um, I was with somebody today uh, before this call and met him at his space, a nonprofit, met him on a random um, uh, networking call. And um, it was just a great conversation. And I left inspired. I like being inspired and I like to inspire other people with crazy ideas. Yeah. And I literally, um, as, as of my emails here to my, to my left, um, and his, he's just like, thank you so much for coming down. I appreciate your help, blah, blah. You know, it's just really, I like to help. Yeah. That, that one-on-one human inter- interaction. I agree. Yeah. What, what, what's the thing you're most proud of thus far in your business career? Anything sticks out? Oops. Um, I, I don't think there's any one thing that that sticks out. I still always go back. My 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 default is relationships, because I don't think anybody like you can, you will not ne- you will never be anywhere without the without the power of of relationships and the people that you meet along the way. I think that is that is the most important, and, and I can't stress that enough um, to our team, to my family, to people that I meet. Um, but I think it's um, 
you know, the, the thing that sticks out to me is that I was trusted along the way to do things and I want to be able to give that back to other people. That's nice. What, if someone were to start off today, well, not today, with the COVID, if someone were to start off in a regular economy with a similar type mm-hmm. of business, what, what advice would you give that person? Love what you do because it is hard. Like if, if I did not love this, like I love what you do. I mean, this is, it's hard. It's hard running a business. Design is hard. Um, you know, it's, and life is not easy. So love what you do and success will follow. I agree. I agree. It's always tough with most businesses and you're not going to yeah. love every single thing. There's things you're just like, oh, you're going to dread. Um, yeah. But overall, though, if, if there's more positives, I agree, than negatives, and, and you enjoy yeah. certain aspects of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's always, it's that concept of the grass is never, the grass is never greener. It's just a different shade of green. What, what would you say right now is the biggest challenge for the Ver partnership? Um, I, we're going to be in rebuild mode. I think that's, it's, we're not starting from scratch because we're starting from a, you know, 11 years into it, um, and we have money, <laughs> and we're not negative cash flow. <laughs> um, but I think it's rebuilding, and I think it's rebuilding. Re- I, I say rebuilding, um, but you know, what what is next? Status quo is not working, um, and we're not we're not the status quo firm. But we always want to be ahead, like doing the next crazy thing, right? So I want to know what yeah. the next crazy thing is that we can do that where we can make a difference and move a needle. That's so good. I think that's the next challenge. Yeah, yeah, we we just literally. Um, we, uh, may be working on a virtual reality, um, space with a fortune 500 company. Um, so we're, um, that's going to be a fly through animation with, um, for a convention, which is kind of cool. Wow. Right? <laughs> that that cool? is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see how, we'll see how that goes. But there were literally in the, we had a conversation yesterday and, trying to get the data and, and figure out what that, what that agreement looks like. That's so, interesting. But ha- like, and even if we don't, like, how cool is that? Like, yeah. that is a really, like, designing virtual space for events, for events. Like, ha- that's ha- pretty cool. Have you ever tried VR? Have you ever put a headset on? Yeah. 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 Did that. It's it, pretty cool. It, it is very cool. Yeah. What, as far as, what do you know now, Kelly, that you wish you would have known back then at the start of your career? And is there anything you would have changed? I would not have changed a thing. I'm very, very adamant about that one. I would not have changed a thing. Um, um, you know, I, I, th- I think I just got really lucky. I had some great mentors who really guided me along the way. So uh, I wouldn't change a thing. Um, I, I think you learn something new every day. So like to try and pinpoint like what I... I wish I, I wish I wouldn't have started with negative cash flow. That was not the smartest thing in the world. Like no, no business plan, no marketing plan. It was literally, I was pissed off. I quit my job and started a company like that. I may, that is one thing I may have done a little bit differently, but not too drastically different. But you know um, what? You, you took action though, because I know there's some people out there and, and not I all like of that. them. I took action. Yeah. Because you know, there are a lot of people out there, you know, what is it? Paralysis by analysis. And then they, they mm-hmm. retool the business plan, but you just said, forget it. Let's yep. go. And let's go. It, it worked yeah. out in the end though. Yeah. Yeah. It's cause I love what I do. Yeah. So. Yeah. You, you mentioned just now mentors. Um, do, yeah. do you, do you have, who, who's a big mentor that comes to mind and, and what did you learn from that person? So the, it's a series of four people um, from HOK um, okay. for very, spe- very specific reasons. So um, um, Susan Grossinger was our, um, she was our leader in our department um, in our interiors group at HOK. Um, and I learned most, um, I, I, every every single business decision or move or business development, um, anything I learned from Susan. She was very, very business savvy. She ran that department um, and she was not a designer. I really appreciated that Susan ran a design department and she was not a designer because she made really good business decisions. And I learned a lot about the business um, 
the business of design um, because of Susan. Um, uh, Brett Schwery and Pam Light were also principals um, at, at HOK and um, Brett's fantastic. He is um, amazing with relationships, amazing, just a really, just a really good guy. He's now over at AECOM and he's just fantastic. Just um, personable and very relationship driven. And they all were very relationship driven, but just inspiring and um, connected. He, he, easy to connect with, really easy to connect with. Um, Pam Light was their director of strategy um, at the, in the LA office and everything I know and love about strategy I learned from Pam Light um, and, and then um, Sarah Devine uh, was my PM go-to. So I learned a lot about uh, project management from Sarah Devine and at any given moment, I still talk to them all at any given point, at least every other month. Um, and this is, you know, a well, 15, I've been back here 15 years. So 15 years later, I still have fantastic relationships with each one of them. And I'm like, oh my God, what would you do? Um, and I think combined, you know, they've all four of them have influenced me the most. That's great that you still have that ED. You can still go to them. Are they all still based yeah. out of LA? Yep. 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 And I, I feel very lucky that we're in such a small little industry that every time there's a convention, I know I get to see at least one of them. Oh, that's cool. So, Yeah. I know you mentioned earlier that right now it's going to be rebuild mode for you, but what, what do the next five or 10 years look for you? What's the vision? So I, I'm not really quite sure anybody should plan 10 years in advance. Um, but um, I think that the vision stays the same, um, you know, just do great work with great people. Um, but really um, kind of spinning the, spinning the space around what is the next generation of space? And I think we're still trying to figure that out. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to, it's going to stay that, stay that way for a while. Um, and we're trying to figure that out now as a team. I mean, again, we're lucky enough that we can take this time to pivot um, and figure out what that is. Um, so this, you know, this thing that fell in our laps yesterday with the, with the AR VR, um, that's, that's kind of pretty cool to explore, um, you know, where we're developing an app for, um, which is a little bit different than everybody else's apps, because I know that they're out there um, for to collecting the data on um, how COVID is going to impact the, ne the, the next workplace. So um, I think it's really moving into a technology role, technology and design that mm -hmm. go hand in hand. We've completely um, migrated over to 100% Revit. Um, so that's been a really um, amazing tool for us from a technology standpoint. So, um, you know, you can spit those renderings out and um, do a fly through, you know, quite easily. Um, and then, you know, here's and turn it into that experience. So really, you know, what is it, what's, what's the experience and what's the workplace looking like in the future? Nice. Last question, Kelly, what do you like to do for fun in your free time? I spin. If I wasn't doing this, I'd be a spin instructor. Spin bicycle. I spin every spin. Yep, yeah, spin in okay, place. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spin every day. So, I um, like I said, like I said, what what the, the firm was started and was suspicious suspiciously looked like a midlife crisis. So I was either gonna stay in design and do what what, what I'm doing right now, or I was just gonna scrap everything and just be a full time spin instructor. So this worked out in my favor, and I did go get. I am a certified spin instructor. Oh wow! Um, I didn't know and, that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't teach. I don't teach because it just this is this is enough. But yes. um, so I, I spin every day, and um, I would yeah, I I, I love it. So That's I good. spin. Okay. That's yeah. Good. Um, yeah. where can people find you as far as websites or anything else if they want to reach out to you? Um, so we're at the at the Verve partnership on most social media. Um, we're at Verve Vision on Twitter, and um, you could um pretty much Google. Um, Kelly and the Verve partnership, and I usually come up pretty quickly um, unless the former CEO of Saab pops up because her last name is Kelly Ennis. So, <laughs> Kelly, lastly, Verve, V E R V E, is is yeah. there a meaning to that? Ooh, where, where does the name come from? That's a good question. From? Yeah, yeah. So not the band. <laughs> it's because that's always the running the running thing. Um, but um, it, it's my favorite question. Um, the word Verve means energy. And enthusiasm, and in its archaic root, it means talent. And uh, I think we have all of that here um, within that within the organization. Um, 
and it's just it's part of our DNA. So we love what we do, and we are really good at it. I love that. How did that name came about? Is there a story behind it? Did you always have that word in the back of your mind, or? So no, um, I I so a friend of mine who's a brand strategist, um, and I sat down when I quit my job, and we we're trying to come up with a name. She developed all of our uh, our logo our, and brand materials identity materials and we went through about two days worth of word word finding about who are you kelly and who do you want to be um and it was it was it was um verve and moxie were the short lists um and verve won out awesome i love it yeah kelly thank you so much for coming on to the show i really appreciate thank you this was fun this was really great thank you it was a fun time thank you so much all right Bye. Take care. Thank you. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review and comment and let me know what you think. Thank you. And I'll see you all very soon on the next episode.